All right, I need some help from the kids. But first, I need all of the parents to close your eyes. Parents, close your eyes, close them up. Kids, check. Are their eyes closed? Give me the thumbs up. Are their eyes closed? Okay, I need to know how many of you guys have had just a little peek under the tree. Anybody kind of looking at the presents? Maybe you're checking the tags, seeing which ones are for you. I see parents holding kids' hands up. That's good. Um, I don't know if I see any dad's hands going up, which is maybe... uh, uh, All right, you parents, you can open your eyes again. Um, We love presents, don't we? Sorry, I'm getting uh, unclipped here. And it's so hard to wait. It's hard to be patient when you know there's something good, something precious under that tree. And especially when you know something, there's something good coming, we want it now. We don't want to wait. And, and seeing all those presents piled up on the Christmas tree, it feels like it's taking forever for Christmas to come. And in some ways, that's where we find ourselves spiritually at Christmas. We've spent the last three weeks um, talking about the amazing promises of Christmas, the last four weeks, lighting these candles, pointing forward. Um, we've been working our way through the, book of, or the first chapter of the book of Matthew. And uh, um, you don't have to. If you want to turn to Matthew 1, you can follow along and kind of track with me. Um, but we've been working through um, this chapter and, and, and the first large section of it is just this list of names, Uh, but they're significant names, important names, uh, and they tell us a lot. And the first thing they tell us, verses one to six, is that this Jesus who is going to be born uh, would be the son of, the descendant of Abraham. And that meant that through Jesus, as the son of Abraham, God was going to be faithful to, to fulfill all of the great promises that he had made to Abraham so many years before. God had promised Abraham that through him, all the nations of the world would be blessed. There would be one who would come from his descendants who would bring God's blessing, God's goodness and favor to the outsiders, to the downcast, the forgotten. It was a promise of hope for the hopeless. And we looked at these three women who show up in this part of this ancestry, uh, Tamar, who, was, uh, who disguised herself as a prostitute, tricked her father-in-law. She contributes to this genealogy by incest. Uh, Rahab, who was not just a prostitute, but a Canaanite prostitute in the city of Jericho. And finally, Ruth, who was a Moabite. Um, she was part of a, a culture of people who were renowned for their immorality, who, who sacrificed their children to the god Chemosh. Um, and yet these three ladies are, are brought into this line of blessing, brought into the, the family line uh, of the Messiah himself. And the message here is that God's blessing, God's forgiveness and favor through this son of Abraham welcomes the lowly, welcomes the outsider, welcomes even the worst of sinners. Second thing we see through this genealogy, verses 6 through 17, is that this Jesus will be the son of David. This kind of fills out a little more of what the son of Abraham would do. He would come um, and and fulfill all the promises that God made uh, to David. God had promised David that he would raise up after him a descendant who would be king. A king that would rescue God's people, who would bring justice and peace and rest for eternity. 
Isaiah 9, 6 is one of the richest promises um, that God made about that king. For unto us a child is born, and the a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And to the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. And the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. You can't overstate that promise. It is so rich and so full. The promise of a king um, who is perfectly wise, who is totally in control, who is, who is caring and loving for his people as a father is of his children, who brings absolute peace and rest and joy and satisfaction forever, an unending kingdom. Those are the promises that, that Mary and Joseph and Israel had been looking forward to, had been clinging to and waiting for for hundreds of years. And then Verses 18 to 23 tell us more about the coming of this promised one and his arrival in this world. And this promise just explodes to be even bigger than what they saw. Joseph is told by an angel uh, in a dream that this baby um, conceived in Mary was put there by the Holy Spirit. And he's not just the, the son of Abraham and the son of David, but this child would be the very son of God come down in human form. He wasn't sending a messenger. He wasn't sending an, an angel on his behalf. No, this mission demanded personal attention. Only God himself would do. And, and what is this mission exactly? What's so important that he himself had to come? Well, the angel, angel told Joseph, um, you will call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. What hope did the hopeless truly need? What great peace and rest would this king bring? It's, it's right there, salvation from sin. Our sin, our sin against God, our disobedience against him, our, our throwing off of his rightful rule and, and going our own way, that is the root of all hopelessness. That's, that's the source of every lack of peace around us. You think back to Adam and Eve in the, in the Garden of Eden. Before that first sin, there was no death. There was no disease. There were no thorns in the weeds in the garden. There means no, no sense of frustration and futility in their work. They had perfect relationship with one another. No, no loneliness, no relational stress and problems. And, and more importantly, they had perfect relationship with God himself. In a word, they had peace. And sin is what upended that. The sin of mankind is what introduced every bad thing into this world. And so sin is what Jesus came to rescue us from. That's the gift that, that Mary and Joseph had been so eagerly waiting for. That gift came uh, that first Christmas. And, and that's why we celebrate. That's the, that's the thing that, that brings us together for these Great moments in our church calendar. And yet, though he has come, here we are. Look around. Do you see peace? Do you see hope and joy unhindered? What happened? 
In some ways, it's kind of like we've had a chance to, to peek at the present under the tree. We've got to see just a little bit. It's more than that, but it's similar. This gift of a Savior has been given to us. We've seen it. We can hold it. We know what it is. Um, we do partake of many of the blessings of it, but not quite yet. Not fully Jesus came, born a baby in a manger, to initiate that kingdom. And he would grow up to die on the cross, to pay the penalty for our sin that we deserve so that, so that we could be forgiven. And he, he welcomes, he calls, come, come to me, even the most vile, the most shameful, the most outcast and unworthy, and you will find forgiveness. You will be saved from your sin. If you're here this evening and and you've not trusted in Christ in that way, truly put your hope in him, what are you waiting for? Is it this world that you hope will give you peace and joy? Or do you think maybe by your good life you'll impress God, by your lack of sin, gain his favor? Just tell you, lovingly, those are delusional. There is one way into this promise of hope and peace, and it's, it's trusting in Jesus. And yet even those of us who trust him still find ourselves waiting, don't we? We won't enjoy the fullness of this gift until he comes again, until he returns to, to fully establish that kingdom, to bring in his reign. And so what about now? What do we do in the middle of Christmas 2020 and all that that means, celebrating that Jesus has come, knowing the, the fullness of what God has promised and how it, it waits on the horizon, and yet sitting in the middle of a broken and confused world, six feet from our loved ones wearing masks. What is that about? How do we celebrate Christmas in this in-between time? Well, there are two verses left in the first chapter of Matthew that we didn't look at. And uh, two verses that I think are, are surprisingly simple. Mary and Joseph had been told who this baby was and why he would come. And yet, look at what happens in their lives. Verse 24. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Mary and Joseph, in so many ways, like us, um, received this unbelievable news. The promise of the, the Savior had come, and they, they rejoice in that truth and the hope of Christmas, and the, the, the angels are singing, and the shepherds gather, and they have this big Christmas party, and then everybody goes home, and what are you left with? What now? Life goes back to normal, almost. And, and the way they move forward after hearing this news and then going back, I think, is a beautiful example for us. Um, Joseph woke up from his dream, having been told that his, his wife would bear the Messiah, the promised one, the rescuer. And we'd like to believe from there it was just happily ever after, right? Everything's great. The promises come. That's the story of Christmas. But it's not the end. Certainly, it was hard after that. Remember, it was Joseph who had the dream, not any of his friends or his co-workers or his family. He went back to a life misunderstood, mocked, scorned, 
trying to explain that his wife wasn't unfaithful, but her son was going to be the, the Messiah. And Joseph and Mary would have been outcasts for what they believed about this child. So many would have said, you're crazy. This is insane. More than that, they would soon become political fugitives. King Herod, uh, enraged, having heard from the Magi that there was a baby being born that was being called the King of the Jews, uh, set out to kill this child. They fled for their lives. They ran away to Egypt, a foreign land. They didn't know anyone there as far as we know. They didn't know the language, the customs. It would have been terrifying. Three things I want us to notice about Joseph. The first is his faith. The the angel in the dream told him something absolutely unbelievable. Your wife, who is apparently unfaithful, uh, is not. She's, She's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. And this child born in her womb is going to be the anointed one, God's chosen one, the Messiah, who's going to rescue God's people. Joseph believed God. Joseph trusted in this infant child. And his life continued to be hard. He continued in faith. And that that faith is is born out in the second thing. And and that is just a simple obedience. Joseph woke up from the dream. He believed what the angel had said. And and then he did what the angel told him to do. He took the, the pregnant Mary to be his wife. He didn't come together with her. He trusted God and he obeyed. It turned his whole world upside down. Surely he had plans for a a carpentry business, hopes for a nice quiet life with his wife and his new family. And at great sacrifice, he gave all of that up to be an adoptive father, to be misunderstood and mocked, to run and hide for fear of his life in Egypt. We don't know a whole lot about Joseph. He doesn't get a ton of press. But Joseph was a man of great faith and a man of obedience. And then finally, that, that faith and that obedience sprung out of a deep hope. Though life on the other side of the, that first Christmas certainly would have gotten much harder for them, um, that last little tag on the end of verse 25, simple, short sentence, I think is so meaningful. He called his name Jesus. On one hand, that's just simple obedience. That's what the angel told him to name his son. And yet, on the other hand, What a beautiful declaration of deep and abiding hope. Joseph was told explicitly why, verse 21, you should call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Jesus literally means Yahweh saves. And so in giving this name to his son, Joseph is not only trusting in the Lord and acting in obedience, but he's declaring, this is our hope. Yahweh saves. Jesus will save us. And and you can imagine every time he called out that name, Jesus, time for dinner. Jesus, get out of the mud. He's he's reminding himself again, this is the one. This is the one who will save us. This is our hope. And so they went on in the midst of the darkness with, with hardships and trials all around them. But it was a life of faith and a life of obedience and a life of hope. And that's what God asks us to as well. That's what we're called to. That's what it looks like to have seen these great and glorious promises to revel in all the joys of Christmas and all that it means our Savior has come. 
to have kind of peeked under the wrapping of that gift and to know that the joy of forgiveness of sin, to be welcomed into the family of God, to have this, this sense of inner peace and in knowing Christ and yet being surrounded by chaos and go back into that world, back into a life that is, that is riddled with pain and confusion, that is surrounded by suffering. We're called to live a life of faith, just believing God, trusting in this Savior. A life of simple obedience, just doing what he calls us to do, just moving forward toward a life of holiness. And then living that flowing out of this deep and abiding hope. Hope that our Savior has come. Hope that he's coming back again as he promised. The celebration of Advent this tradition of lighting the candles, the, the four weeks leading up to Christmas. It's set up, as I said, to be a reminder to us of the gift that we've been given in Jesus, that he's the only one who brings true hope, true peace, true love, true joy. And the last candle we light on Christmas Eve uh, is the candle of light. It's This last candle reminds us that Jesus is our light. Isaiah 9-2 says this about the coming of Jesus. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. Jesus himself said, John 8-12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Because of Christmas, by faith in him, living in obedience to God, holding on to this great hope, we have light. We have light in the midst of a dark world. Light lets us see things as they really are. A small child in a dark room uh, need only to turn on the light to have their fears put aside, their peace restored. The light of Jesus lets us see the world as it truly is. Yes, broken and hurting and twisted by sin, but also temporary, waiting, waiting for the second coming of this great king, the one who will bring hope for the hopeless, who will usher in a kingdom of complete, unchallenged, unfading peace, love, joy, and, and light. It's this gift that we've been given, and it's ours in Christ Jesus, and yet we wait for the, the day that we'll be able to fully unwrap it, to fully enjoy it. But church, let's wait with faith and obedience and hope. You were given a candle uh, on your way in uh, this evening. You can pull that out and go ahead and turn it on. Um, this light is meant to be a physical, tangible reminder to us of the light of Christmas, the light that we have in Christ. And I want us to, to stand and sing together a song that just so perfectly encapsulates that time of waiting and the hope that we have in him, uh, a light that shines in the midst of the darkness. Would you stand? Let's sing together.
Would you pray with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for this amazing gift of a Savior, the one who would come to save us from our sin. God, we needed it so badly. Father, help us. Help us to figure out what it means in a broken, frustrating, tiresome world to live a life of hope, to live a life of faith and obedience, hanging on to the promises that we have, eager to see them fulfilled one day in their fullness. God, we trust you. We look forward to that great day um, when all things will be put right again. Oh, God, set our hearts on that day. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.